Hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And today's episode is a little bit different, both because of who my guest is, but also because of the topic. So the topic is, this is going to be part trip report. Just got back from Seattle visiting the Amazon HQ. So going to give a report on that. And also going to be talking about Amazon DSP, which is really one of my favorite topics when it comes to online marketing. And we're going to dive deep into that. This episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by OMG Commerce. And we are thrilled to underwrite this program and bring some amazing guests to you. I have a question for you. How is your YouTube game? Are you using YouTube to help scale your e-commerce business? Hopefully, you're using YouTube both as a remarketing vehicle and also for top of funnel growth. However, if you're like most e-commerce companies, then you're probably not fully leveraging YouTube. So, I have two free resources for you. The first is a two-minute crash course on YouTube ads. I recorded this with the famous Ezra Firestone. So you can check that out by looking at the links in the show notes to this show. You can also Google Smart Marketer and Two Minute Crash Course, and you'll find the resource there. Also, we recorded a 90-minute webinar outlining exactly how we scale with YouTube. We talk about keys to a great YouTube ad. We talk about audience targeting. We talk about bidding, optimization, and much, much more. So I highly, highly recommend you check it out. You can also find that linked here in the show notes. It's also at the bottom of the two-minute crash course page. So check them out and start scaling with YouTube. And now, back to the show. My guest, a lot of times I bring on guests from all over the e-commerce world, other experts and business owners and merchants and things like that. Today, I'm bringing on one of my own team members. So this guy runs our Amazon services department. He's the director of Amazon services. Just really a crazy smart guy uh, and done a lot in the online marketing world. We actually started, he started an SEO with OMG Commerce. And then we said, hey, we need some help with Google Shopping. This is back when Google Shopping was really exploding for us. And so Chris jumped on and did Google Shopping. And then we're like, hey, uh, we're doing some stuff with Amazon. You want to learn Amazon? And he did and kind of became a maniac with Amazon-sponsored product ads. Now just Amazon-sponsored products. And uh, kind of the rest is history. So now he runs our Amazon team. He's the director of that department and doing an awesome job. And so and he also went to Amazon HQ with me. So with that intro, I'd like to welcome to the show, Mr. Chris. Tyler, OMG Commerce Director of Amazon Services. Chris, how's it going, man? Going great, Brett. Appreciate uh, you having me on. Yeah. And, and and you could act like you had a choice. Uh, <laughs> on <what> you, <laughs> <come> on. <laughs> it was kind of like this, hey, Chris, come on the podcast. Like, well. I think you uh, said you're, uh, you're short on people. So you said, hey, man, you're here. You're in Missouri. Got to get you on. Yeah, I, feel, I really like all these other guests backed out. So, Chris, you'll have to do. Uh, but no, this has actually been a podcast a long time in the making. I've wanted to have an Amazon-focused podcast with you. And actually, think you, what were we talking about? You've been on the podcast before. You are on the podcast with uh, our buddy. <laughs> way Rick. back, before you got yeah, huge. Way, way back, in the, in, the, in, the, yeah, in the more humbler times. But, uh, but for those that, that don't know, you know, our agency is headquartered in, in Springfield, Missouri, e-commerce capital of Missouri. I just made that part up. Uh, but that is where we are. It's, it's actually... 
Queen City. <laughs> it's the Queen City. Yeah, you learned that while you're out here. So uh, it's also the home of Bass Pro. So Johnny Morris, founder of Bass Pro, lives right here in Springfield. The original flagship Bass Pro shops is right here, miles away from where we sit now. Uh, so this is where the HQ is. We have 24-ish employees at the time of this recording here in Springfield. We have seven that are remote, three in Jersey, which is where Chris Tyler is. So he directs our New Jersey team. But Chris is actually in Springfield right now. So just behind this wall behind me, if you're watching the video, and, and I don't know if you notice, you probably don't because um, when Chris Brewer is on the podcast, he's in that office. So Chris Tyler has, has commandeered Chris Brewer, my business partner, he's commandeered his office, but you're in a different spot than Brewer usually is. So at the golf pictures behind you. Um, so if you would, there you go. Yeah, I think that's Phil Mickelson. That's uh, your, your big noggins blocking. Yeah. Phil. Sorry, I'll try to shrink it. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, but I don't really know my golf, my golfer, so I could be wrong. Uh, so, so Chris, why don't you do a couple things? One, and give the kind of the short version. So what is it that you do around here, Chris? <laughs> that's a good question. Um, when I am working... Uh, <laughs> Wait, well, so, wait a minute. I like the sounds of this. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so I'm, I'm in a cows. I'm in campaigns. I'm kind of in the trenches running the ads. Uh, at the same time, like you said, we're kind of growing. We've got about six people uh, that are on the Amazon side. So I'm training them, building out strategy processes. We're working on a really awesome reporting dashboard. Um, and overall, just making sure we're growing and, and still able to provide our clients with the service they need. Yep. Awesome. And, and yeah, the, the department's growing. Yeah. Team of six, Chris is directing that, overseeing that in charge of training, really the, the, the lead strategist of that team as well. So, so wearing a lot of hats uh, while he's directing that, that Amazon team. So, uh, Hey, we just got back from Seattle, which was a, an amazing trip. It was a ton of fun. Uh, I was so excited. We got the invite to come out there. And so, uh, I'll share kind of a couple of quick things. We'll, we'll dig into the details of, of Amazon DSP in a minute, but just as a, as a quick intro, Amazon DSP is a, a display type of advertising that you can use to grow your Amazon business. We'll give you all the ins and outs later, but we found we were the, we were the fastest growing agency helping with Amazon DSP last year. And then we're in the top 10 of all agencies worldwide in terms of spend, which is crazy because it's kind of a new thing, newer thing for us in the last year. So that's why we got the invite out to Seattle to the to see the Amazon HQ. So Chris, what I think it's just kind of interesting, you know, getting this to go behind the scenes at Amazon. What were some of the things that impressed you, surprised you about about the Amazon HQ? Yeah, uh, a lot of dogs. <laughs> <laughs> um, Crazy amounts of dogs. How, how many dogs, Chris? Just let's break that down for people. So what we were told is about 6,000. And I think they said there's like one dog for every 10 people. Right. Um, so 6,000 dogs a day go to work at the Amazon HQ in Seattle. Yeah. No and they bring with them about 60,000 humans. So yeah, one in 10. When one in yeah. 10 people bring a dog. Yeah. Um, but what really got me was when we were like downtown center of, you know, where their uh, buildings were, realizing that like four or five of the buildings surrounding were theirs and they're building two more. And they're honestly like, it looks like they're just taking over, you know, that part of Seattle, just massive uh, growth. 
Yeah, two huge skyscrapers. I don't know exactly how tall. We were on the 22nd floor for our meetings with the with the ad team. And uh, there were two kind of identical buildings that were around 30, 40 stories high. And then and several of those around it. And kind of in the middle, and um, maybe link to this in the show notes, we'll see. Uh, but there was kind of this biodome, right? So it's like three domes that were connected all glass and or you know, mainly glass with with steel structure, which is really cool. And and we're kind of bummed we didn't get to go in the dome. Like that was one of our goals. And we ended up being too busy, you know, meeting with people and doing work, doing work and stuff like that. But uh, what what was what was in the dome? I think you got a better sense of that than I did. Uh, dude, so they they had like a ton of uh, like plants and like greenery, almost like uh, a greenhouse for some of it. Um, I did see they had a really cool bar in there. We missed it. Um, missed that. Yeah, I was looking forward to that. And I think a couple other things. I, I don't think people like. You know, spend their days working in there, but it's something that they can kind of come in, yeah, during yeah. The day, relax, or just go. So I'd have like a fob. You'd have you know, it's access control to get into the the bio dome thing, and so it was, yeah, it was also actually we were, we were kind of walking around the dome. There was this, uh, like almost not like an amphitheater, but it was just like you're going up these steps, you know, because it, it's everything's hilly in Seattle, and there was like some newbies, so some new Amazon team members. Like they were going through orientation or something there. Mm. Later, saw them in a building and. So, I mean, Amazon's just growing at insane, uh, an insanely fast rate. And so lots of new Amazon employees that, that we saw as well. But, but yeah, the dog thing, it was like, the question I asked was, where do these dogs go? Like, where do, where do they go outside? How do they get exercise? How do they go to the bathroom? Like, how, how does all this work? And a couple of little dog parks. I never got a satisfactory answer to that question. Um, but insane amounts of dogs. And... Uh, well-groomed dogs as well, like uh, clean coat, good haircuts on these dogs. Like these are these were prim and proper dogs, uh, uh, from my my estimation. Now I will say, so um, I've gone to three Google campuses now. This is my first time to an Amazon campus. Uh, not uh, Amazon does not have the same philosophy with perks that Amazon uh, that Google does. So if you go to a Google campus. Google's philosophy is they never want you to be more than, they never want employees to be more than 90 feet away from free food and coffee and water and things like that. So you're in a, in a floor of a Google office. There's going to be gourmet coffee just around the corner, just down the hall. You know, they bring in gourmet chefs. There's free food. All the campuses serve at least two meals a day that are free. You know, in Mountain View, the flagship, you know, uh, Google, Google HQ, three meals a day there you can eat. Amazon doesn't have that. Uh, Amazon does have free coffee. And they do have free water, which is good. Uh, but the offices are nice; like they're 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 nice, great view of downtown. So it was it was definitely cool. Uh, now you got to see more of the city than I did. Any any quick highlights for those that are traveling downtown Seattle sure. or surrounding yeah. areas? Uh, so we did the re- so my wife went with me, uh, and we did a lot of the tourist stuff first. You know the Pike Place Market, uh, yeah, which is cool. Fish market. You see people throwing fish and stuff. Yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the Space Needle was awesome. Um, the, the like the first floor as you get up there is a rotating floor that's just glass on the bottom, so you can just look down. Uh, totally amazing. And honestly, because my first time out there, when I went downtown, I thought that was like this is Seattle. Like this is all of Seattle. I come from New Jersey. New York is just it's all just skyscrapers, and that's right, right, yeah. Uh, and we were actually staying out outside of downtown and Capitol Hill. Uh, and we ended up kind of traversing the area, going to Queen Anne, uh, Ballard, which are just neighborhoods in Seattle. 
man, it's gorgeous. Uh, we didn't get any rain. There's like 65 degrees. Um, really blown away just by how each neighborhood is, is different, has different stuff. And then uh, two parks uh, right on the, the water. Uh, one was Discovery Park. I think the other one's like Golden Gardens. Um, dude, just gorgeous. You don't get that yeah. as much on the East Coast. Uh, so very impressed. Yeah, really cool city, great vibe. Um, some some great microbreweries, and, and also just some tremendous coffee shops. And I will say, and then and then we'll get into the the meat of our Amazon discussion. Some amazing coffee shops. Uh, Anchorhead, you got to check that out if you're there. But also, the Starbucks Reserve was amazing. So I mean, you can get Starbucks anywhere, but the Starbucks Reserve it's a, it's a small batch roastery. They roast all their coffees right there on location. You can only get the coffee there. They have kind of a tasting bar and they do this really cool uh, pairing of coffee from different regions with chocolate and you get to enjoy that and uh, just a phenomenal experience. So let's get into the topics. Let's talk Amazon DSP. I gave a really general nondescript explanation before that's display ads. But what is DSP? So, so it's an acronym. DSP, it's not short for display. It actually stands for demand side platform. And really all that means is it's like a self-serve platform. So think of Google Ads, the Google Ads interface. Think of Facebook advertising. They're all DSPs. They allow you to manage your ads. Uh, but what this does is it takes Amazon's data, their shopper data, what they know about their millions and millions of shoppers. So you can take that data and then layer that onto ad networks. So uh, ad exchanges like AdX, which is owned by Google, or AOL's Display Network. And there's about six other open exchanges where you, you could run display ads on these open exchanges as well. But the key here is you get to use Amazon's data. You can also use Amazon's data and then run display ads on Amazon.com or IMBD, which is owned by Amazon, or kind of a group of sites called Amazon Publisher Services, which are a little bit... Uh, closed-lipped about, but uh, basically sites that Amazon has really direct connections to. So basically what this allows you to do is, is a couple of things, um, but it allows you to target people based on their behavior on Amazon, and then you can run ads to them across the web. So either on Amazon or off Amazon. So let's kind of break it down by audiences that you can target, and then we'll, we'll get into some ads. We'll get into kind of our philosophy and some of those things here as we go, but what's what's the audience that really we always start with, Chris? And what, what's kind of the obvious choice? If someone's going to run Amazon DSP, where should they start? Sure. Uh, so the number one choice is, is retargeting. Um, building out an audience that is people have viewed uh, that product, that product page, uh, and not purchased uh, is just phenomenal. And it works the same on uh, Google or Facebook. But in the past, uh, with Amazon, you had to go directly through them. Managed service, minimum fees, I think it's like 35K or something. Um, with self-service, uh, it definitely is, is lower minimums. But we found that to definitely uh, perform far and beyond uh, the best. Um, the only uh, thing I would add is uh, it is dependent on having 5,000 unique visitors. Right, um, right. 30-day window, they can go back 60 days, but it's not as efficient. Um, but as a base level and where most of that spend goes initially is retargeting. Yep. So it's not quite available to everybody. You do have to have a certain volume of visitors to your ASINs, to your products, or 
Amazon really can't build you a remarketing audience. So what, what's great about this, and, and obviously we're all familiar with the concept of remarketing or, or retargeting, one and the same, but this in the past wasn't something that Amazon sellers were doing, right? Just because it wasn't available or it wasn't available unless you spent $35,000 a month. And, and so, uh, you know, we all, people just always banked on the fact that Amazon conversion rates are really high, right? So if you look at the standard e-commerce conversion rates, if you have a Shopify store or whatever.com, uh, usually one to 3%. If you're really good, maybe it's four or five percent, but single digits almost certainly for your conversion rates. Well, on Amazon, it's likely north of 10, and the averages are kind of 13 to 15. We have some clients that are higher, some that are lower, but that, that's a typical Amazon conversion rate. So typically Amazon sellers are just banking on the fact that, okay, so I can't run remarketing or retargeting ads, but the conversion rate's higher, so so that I'll just live with that. But now you can run really good fundamental marketing where you can retarget to people that visit your ASINs and do not purchase. And it's one of those things that just like if you're marketing your own store, it all it almost always works, right? There are very, very few exceptions where remarketing does not work. And so this is one of those things that, that you know, uh, you and I went to Prosper Show in Las Vegas not long ago, took the Amazon team. I spoke there about Amazon DSP. It's one of those things that as we mentioned DSP to people, their eyes kind of lit up. We're like, well, really? Like you can do that? And we don't have the, you know, massive minimum. So it's something that that everybody understands they need and it works. And so people are usually pretty excited about it. Yeah. So uh, what we've kind of done, and this this is going to be the, this is very similar to what we do on, on the, the Google side of our agency as well, but we don't just stop with, people that have visited an ASIN and did not buy. So kind of a recapture campaign or, or standard remarketing. What other audiences do we look at building from kind of a, a loyalty and, and, and remarketing standpoint? Sure. Uh, the easiest kind of next step to, to really be a return-based kind of uh, system, that, you know, still running, would be cross-promotion. Um, because we get audiences built on product purchases, uh, and you can go really any window, 30, 60, 90 day, 180. Um, you can say, hey, people who purchase this product, but not this product. Uh, so maybe you sell Timothy Hay for, for pets. Uh, and one of your other items is like a hair comb. And, and so if they bought the Timothy Hay, they have the pet that probably needs his hair comb or vice versa. And, and so it allows you to kind of hit someone who's already purchased with another product that should be something they can use. Uh, and we found that to be really successful, uh, and especially from a, even a direct return, um, just pretty awesome. Uh, and the other one is repurchase. Uh, so a good example is like supplements. You know, somebody has supplemented 60 capsules. Uh, I, I know I don't take uh, my capsules every day, so it usually lasts me like 90, <laughs> 20 days. Um, but you can run, so like, let's say they got a, something like that. You can say someone who's purchased in the past year, 180 days, whatever it could be, uh, and not in the past 60 or 90 days. Um, so basically you're saying they should have repurchased. Um, and for some reason they didn't. We all get busy. Uh, there's reasons. Um, and so you're kind of nudging them a little bit. Uh, and we found that to work really well uh, as well from that loyalty kind of lowering the funnel uh, base. 
Yep, absolutely. So, so I think a lot of people just stop with basic retargeting, just just re, re, recapture campaigns. Someone saw my product, they didn't buy. Let's remind them and and get them to purchase. But moving beyond that, looking at yeah, that the first thing you said of cross sell, upsell, right? So another example would be you know skincare. So maybe someone bought our skin cream, the moisturizer, but they have not purchased our eye serum. Now we're going to run ads to them for the eye serum and get them to buy. So we're taking someone who's just maybe a one-time purchaser and we're getting them to purchase more of our products. And then the more of our line that they purchase, hopefully the more loyal they'll become, the more committed to our brand they'll become, the more likely they are to be a brand ambassador, that type of thing. So it's, it's truly moving into a loyalty type marketing program. And then, yeah, the reorder process, I love that. Again, it's more for a consumable than it is for for other products. So you know, we have a, a client that sells watches. Yeah, a lot of times we'll just buy one of their watch. Maybe you could promote another watch to them for special occasion or, or whatever, anniversary, something like that. But but the reorder campaign definitely works for consumables, for supplements, for skincare, for pet products, things like that. And so then, yeah, just like you said, you look for when should someone reorder? So let's build audiences to those durations. And then if they haven't ordered, let's run ads to them. And then just to give you an idea, these, these ads then, they can show up on Amazon.com. So you can see on a product detail page, kind of towards the bottom or along the sides, you'll see display ads. At, on the homepage, you can see display ads, some usually on category pages and stuff. Uh, but then they can also show up on ESPN.com or, or whatever celebrity gossip site someone is looking at. The ads could show up there as well. I'm not saying that because I visit those sites, Chris. That's not that's not what I'm saying. I'm not. But you do visit those sites. I'm not following. Uh, you know who's dating who right now, or what the Kardashians are up to. I have no idea what Kim and Chloe and Courtney are doing right now. I just don't. Even, I barely even know their names. Of course, of course. <laughs> uh, no, just messing around. But you, whatever site, you know, you you can basically you're. It's not about targeting the site. You're targeting the user, right? So then these ads can appear all across the web or on Amazon owned and operated sites. And so it's pretty cool. So that that's the remarketing slash loyalty side of DSP. Uh, what what are what are the other audience targeting types? Because they actually DSP has some amazing targeting capabilities. Obviously you want to start with retargeting loyalty because that's that's going to make you a lot of money and it's kind of a no-brainer. But what are some of the other audiences you can target with with DSP? Sure. So yeah, kind of moving up further in that kind of funnel process. Uh, DSP were able to build out audiences called similar product views, which essentially uh, we consider as competitor targeting. Um, the, the caveat to that is when we build out our retargeting, our product views audience based on our own ASINs or the sellers we work with, we get a audience that says, these are people who view products similar to the ASIN you've given us. Uh, the issue is they don't tell us which products, right? So you kind of have to trust Amazon is giving you generally the products that are similar to yours. Um, we've had really good success doing that, uh, essentially competing as competitors with display ads. And since uh, a lot of sellers just aren't doing it, kind of gives you an upper hand. Um, and, and so I would say that would be the next one that's still return-based, but you're also looking at it as customer acquisition, uh, and long-term growth, if that makes sense. Yep, absolutely. And this is one of those things where when I first heard about it, my response was, wait a minute, really? Explain, let, let, let's make, make sure that I'm hearing you properly. So we can target 
people that visited our competitors' products and did not purchase, we can run ads to them and try to woo them to come and, and see our products. And, and that's exactly the case. Now, there's some new audience things. We, we need to get more specific later, and that's coming out. I'm not actually sure if that's kind of under our NDA or whatever. So I, can't, I, won't, I won't speak uh, too much more detail there. But the, the ability to build these audiences, it's going to get more granular and and even better here in the not too distant future. But but yeah, you know, people ask that all the time on on the Google side is, hey, can I retarget my my competitors' visitors? And and the short answer on Google is no. There's some kind of roundabout things you can do with custom affinity audiences, which I won't get into. It's not nearly the same. Um, but with Amazon, you can target people that visit your competitors' ASINs and do not buy. And so this is where we actually saw this. I kind of gave a. Uh, project to the people around the office. I said, hey, just start shopping on Amazon. I'll pay you to shop, you know, whatever. And then start just, you know, anytime you're at a new site or whatever, look look for Amazon-based ads. And so uh, we we're looking for a new coffee product. One of our uh, employees was looking at like a grinder or something like that, a coffee grinder. And then they saw an Amazon ad for uh, a similar product. And it wasn't the one they had looked at. So that that's the type of targeting that happens. So again, we're selling a skincare product. Maybe someone hasn't been to our product, but they've been to a competing product. We can run ads to people that visit that competitor's product and do not buy. So that's similar ASIN targeting is what that's called right now. That's what it's called. Uh, just like with Google and, and Google and Amazon are always changing the names of things. Uh, so who knows what that'll be called in a couple months, but that's what it's called now. So that's an amazing audience to target. What's kind of the step up from there? And by step up, I mean kind of higher in the funnel, a little further away from the sale, you know, a little broader type audience. Yeah, absolutely. The The next one, which is really just top of funnel is uh, in market or, and they have also lifestyle. Uh, so in market, meaning uh, these people are in the market for uh, a certain product or they've looked at things that have grouped them uh, based on Amazon's uh, audience data uh, that allows you to kind of target that audience with your products. Like an example could be uh, keto supplements or uh, exercise equipment. Um, and if it's lifestyle, it could be active lifestyle or, or more of um, actionable things people do. Uh, it, it works really well to feed the funnel. And if you've got that base set with retargeting, um, you know, the repurchases, all that we discussed uh, just a few minutes ago, uh, it's kind of essential um, to be running that so that you continue to kind of feed the system. Um, and we've found it really uh, successful to um, develop that in a way that you're bringing them in based on what the product is and the, the, the market. And so it, it really is more of a top of funnel audience. And basically the way, the way Amazon describes it is these are, this is kind of based on category pages or they call it aisles. So think about aisles in the grocery store, aisles in a department store, you know, where, hey, I'm on the kitchen appliance aisle or I'm on the cutlery aisle or the organic dog food aisle. And so basically what Amazon is doing is they're building an audience of people that, that have been to those category pages. So organic dog food as an example, but they have not purchased. So this may be somebody who's early in their, their research phase. Um, this is definitely higher in the funnel or a little bit further away from purchase than someone who's been to your product detail pages as an example. Uh, but it can be very effective. It can really work. So we've seen this work. We have a large toy seller. And so we ran a lot of in-market audiences around 
the holidays and around the holiday shopping push and worked very well. We've seen this in the fitness category where you can kind of choose the, you know, in-market audiences that can be very, very effective. So the audience, I'm just blown away by the audience targeting that we have available to us with Amazon. It's going to get better and better over time. So, you know, one of the things that, that, that Chris Tyler does and does extremely well and, and our Amazon team does very well is sponsored products. Used to be called sponsored product ads. Now Amazon's getting fancy, just change that to sponsored products. So if we look at, we, we kind of built this, this structure, we call it, we call it uh, our AMP framework or accelerated marketing portfolios. And um, it kind of, uh, if you think about a bell curve where, uh, you know, kind of in the middle, it's, it's broader and then it kind of tapers off at, at either end. In kind of the middle of our, our advertising uh, opportunities, we've got kind of this, this purchase stage where people are ready to make a purchase. Um, just to the uh, kind of left of that or slightly higher in the funnel, there's kind of a consideration stage where someone's really comparison shopping, looking at what they want to buy. And, and then kind of just to the right of purchases like the, the reorder campaign and stuff like that. So those are, those are kind of the areas where we want to spend most of the budget right around the purchase and consideration stage. That's where the bulk of your budget is going to go. So still the bulk of your ad spend is going to go towards sponsored products, sponsored brands. Uh, but then as you kind of go off to either side, whether that's in-market audiences or, or you know, your cross-sell, upsell, there's going to be smaller percentages of your budget going there. Uh, but all of it working together can be extremely powerful. And so Amazon DSP, really excited about it. Uh, I think there's going to be tons of opportunities uh, for you to grow. And, and really, I think and this is maybe a little bit of a shift in mindset for people that have only sold on Amazon before where uh, maybe if you're selling on Amazon and on your own site, you've already been thinking along these lines with you know, running Google Display or running YouTube or some of those other things that could be higher in the funnel. Now you can do the same thing on Amazon, but do it very efficiently and, and do it where you can track it. So what, what are also some of the... Amazon's not great at making the data easy to get, but what, what are some of the data points you can get from your DSP efforts, Chris, that we can kind of analyze and work with? Sure. Uh, so it's, it's kind of unlimited. They give you a lot of options in terms of specific data where uh, like Seller Central, not as uh, robust. Um, so you can even see things like people have add, added to cart and compared it to people actually purchased. Um, and, and actually, uh, this came out really just a few days ago. Uh, there's a branded beta that uh, just rolled out that will actually allow you to see, so someone who actually sees your DSP ad, uh, if they go back to Amazon and search it and uh, you know click through the, the ads uh, based on your brand name, um, it will give you metrics kind of looking into that brand lift uh, outside of just the DSP uh, platform. Um, but then within the DSP... Which, which is awesome because that, that's the way a lot of people shop, right? Some people do yeah. see an ad and they click on it and they buy immediately. But, but especially if you're talking top of funnel, more like the awareness stage, it's more likely that they'll see your ad, maybe even click on it, but then later go back and search for you by name on Amazon. So it's, it's, now we can see that brand lift data, which is uh, extremely valuable. Yep, yep. They, they also allow uh, you to see what ASINs actually sold. So let's say you've got... Uh, one variation, you know, child ASIN of the parent ASIN uh, that you're actually showing as the ad for the retargeting. Um, if they purchase a different product, you're actually able to run a report that shows which products actually sold 
to get insight into uh, not just what ad they clicked, but where they yep. landed. Yep. Yep. So this is the ad. This is the product they saw on the ads. And they clicked on it, but they actually ended up buying this other product, this other related product. Yep. Um, and, and then things like detailed page views, uh, how they kind of navigate um, within your system of, of different products and pages. Uh, super helpful, especially when you start kind of running the, the higher up in the funnel kind of system, just to know what's going on with that. Uh, and and so, yeah, they've been able to give a lot of data that uh, I'm a little surprised. It's because Amazon doesn't like to share info, but on DSP, it seems like they're really trying to push uh, better insight into what's going on. Yeah, it's been really interesting. And and then in, in probably you guys have seen or read, you know, the Amazon advertising business is just massive. Amazon is now the fourth largest online advertising platform behind Google and then, and then Facebook. And this is extremely profitable for Amazon. You know, it's a, a $10 billion business in 2018. And, and I think the projections are in a, in a couple of years, it's going to be like a $23 billion a year business, which is just massive when you consider that at their core, Amazon's a retailer, but of course they also have AWS and, and now, you know, Amazon advertising, which is huge. And so there, there's a lot of effort being put into making Amazon advertising better, more usable, all those things, and and so that that's pretty exciting. It's gonna gonna be good for all of us, you know, that that sell on Amazon. Now, uh, there's another metric that's kind of interesting. It's called brand halo lift. So there's um, you know direct sales that are attributed to to Amazon DSP, but then there's also the brand halo effect. And so we're a little like that's a metric where. Still a little skeptical on. Uh, sometimes the it seems like that's overcounting a little bit, but still we've got some metrics and some numbers we can look at to say, hey, what are these ads doing for you? Um, and so, so yeah, it's all it's all good stuff. Now, what I'd like to do, kind of as as we wrap up here, is uh, extend a little bit of an offer. Uh, we we can't go crazy on this because Chris's time is limited, but. Uh, we do run complimentary Amazon audits uh, for sellers that are doing some volume. And so be happy to pop into your ad account and give you an audit if it kind of meets some, some criteria. Uh, but also happy to talk DSP and happy to talk about what DSP could do for you. And so if you are interested, check us out at omgcommerce.com. Fill out the form and... Uh, if we don't bury Chris too much, uh, you may get to hop on a call with Chris and, and kind of dive in to this in, in detail. But um, just kind of as we, as we wrap up, you know, as, as Chris and I look at DSP and as I look at kind of the global, whether it's Google Ads or Facebook or Amazon, I think DSP is going to be huge. It's going to be kind of the next thing for successful sellers and vendors on Amazon to really push their business to the next level. And uh, so really, really excited to be part of that and get some data on it. Happy to, to talk with you about DSP as well. So Chris, any, any closing thoughts, predictions, comments on Seattle, any last minute recommendations on things to do there, anything uh, last minute on DSP? Yeah, so I, I honestly think that within a year, if you're not running DSP uh, and, and getting into that now early, uh, I think you're going to get pretty stagnant growth as Seller Central, sponsored products, sponsored brand ads uh, kind of get saturated and competitors keep coming in. I do think that it really is the future of 
just how the ads are going to run and how growth yep. is going to happen. Totally agree. That this this it's still it, not a lot of sellers are using, not a lot of vendors are using uh, DSP right now. So I think I think the opportunity is is pretty wide open for a lot of people. And again, just start with remarketing and then and then build from there. So uh, with that, hey, this has been a lot of fun, Chris. Thanks for coming on, man. And, thanks for having uh, me, man. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, yeah, it's super fun to chat about this stuff. The the Seattle trip was awesome. And so if you're interested, do check it out. Uh, obviously, do do research and stuff. Check things out on your own. But if you want to chat with us or with Chris specifically, go to omgcommerce.com. And with that, hey, we'd love your feedback. Let us know what you'd like to hear more of. Let us know if there's other Amazon topics you'd like us to dive into on this podcast. We'd be happy to do that. And if you're finding value, we would love that five-star review on iTunes. That helps other people discover the show. And so with that, until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.